This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of our Raw Reaction series. Joining you the morning after Arsenal have beaten Bournemouth 3-0 in a very, very convincing victory indeed in which the home side were restricted to offering next to nothing and Arsenal climbed to the top of the Premier League table. Good morning, everybody. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. I hope you had a fantastic evening. I hope you're feeling rested i hope that the tequila has not been too hard on the soul and of course you're still singing that famous saliba song um let's jump into the chat uh good morning to odorile joining us first uh devin and james and actually and pj good morning guys lynn uh we've got uh jose we've got george and ashwin and temi and daniel and dave thank you so much guys for tuning in as always ashwin loving life as a gooner at the moment. Absolutely, my friend. Namdi, good morning to you. Uh, to Big Fats of Lucky as well. Uh, <laughs> yes, it is quite funny looking back over some videos claiming that Richarlison would have been the better buy over Gabriel Jesus. Very, very uh, <laughs> amusing indeed. We all make mistakes. We all have things we say that are wrong. But uh, Goodness me, what a brilliant, brilliant performance from the team yesterday and from the individuals, of course. We're going to go through plenty of that and more and through plenty of your thoughts and queries and questions as well. We kick off, though, as always, by telling you that the show is sponsored by Football Prizes. Today's prize, um, the game against uh, Fulham, the hospitality ticket has now sold out, but you could still be in with a chance of winning a hospitality ticket for Arsenal's home match against Aston Villa. Uh, a little bit later on, of course, this month. It is a midweek game, so do make sure you check your travel arrangements and all of that before you enter the competition. There is also a second prize uh, in which you could choose, and I imagine it would be an Arsenal shirt, uh, any 2022-23 shirt of your choice. Uh, you can pick one of those up as a second prize. So link is always in the description, £7.96 and early bird tickets. Uh, competition ends on Sunday the 21st of August, which of course is today. It's only a 24-hour competition, so you'll have to get in there quickly if you want to get hold of a ticket. But early bird price of £7.96, I believe, is still in 
active uh, area, however you want to word that. So there you go. Uh, also, as always, we are going, uh, as I've mentioned now, for the Best Club Content Creator Awards uh, in the Football Content Awards. If you'd like to vote for us, all you need to do is go to www.votefortgt.com and that will generate a tweet for you that you just tweet out and that's your vote. But you can also vote on Instagram by tagging us in the uh, in the Football Content Awards Instagram pages post, which has the picture that you can see on the screen, or you can vote on their website as well. But we kick off by just in general talking about what a brilliant performance it was yesterday. Let's see what you guys are saying in the chat box. Clive, so good to see you, my friend. These are the days when you can't wait to wake up. <laughs> Absolutely. It's just a shame sometimes that we're not going into work. These are the benefits of having games on a Sunday. And I know that we'll have plenty of those when the Europa League gets underway. But going into work on a Monday morning after you've just won a game and gone top of the table is a very exciting moment indeed. Perhaps, though, we still will on Monday if results today go our way. Chelsea playing Leeds and Manchester City are away at Newcastle. Two games that could be very fortunate for Arsenal. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, Yusuf says, two more additions to this team. Who says we can't go all the way? Uh, (laughs) Unbelievable. (laughs) Uh, Not convinced uh, by Perisic, says Dave. Yes, I mean, that was a a muddled performance from Spurs, it's fair to say. Uh, Caleb says, TC, how good is life for we as Arsenal fans? Very, very good indeed. But yes, the performance overall was a dominant one. What we've gone through as Arsenal fans is we've done these games where we've gone to these Premier League sides, specifically kind of ones further down the table, where we've struggled at. I remember that game back in 2018 at Bournemouth where we muddled through it, trying to grab a goal, and eventually we, of course, did get it through Hector Bellerin. And then what happened is we sat back, we absorbed pressure, Bournemouth came back, Bournemouth were emboldened by what we were giving them, and they scored twice in four minutes, and we lost that game. And it was a very, very damaging defeat. I remember the game in Arteta's first fixture where we obviously drew against Bournemouth. Uh, we actually went 1-0 down, I believe, in that game and had to come back with a Bamiyang scoring. And the performance or the differences in the performances that we're seeing of this Arsenal team compared to the performances of the Arsenal of old. And I, when I say the Arsenal of old, I'm even just referencing an Arsenal of a year or two years ago, the, the significant difference, not only because of an improvement in coaching, but an improvement from what the players like Gabriel Jesus, William Saliba and Alexander Zinchenko have all added to this team. It has just elevated the performances of others. And, you know, we're still playing with someone out of position in Ben White who we'll come on to later. We're still moving Granit Xhaka into an area that he's not played before. Even Thomas Partey isn't necessarily playing in his best position. You know, he's not what I would describe as a number six. as an out-and-out number one role. But he's having, uh, and I thought yesterday he was much, much better. A really strong performance from him. Um, and we're still kind of learning. Uh, we're still learning the best about one another as a team. And there are still players that can go to another level, I think. But what this team has is it's starting to input fear into their opponents. It's starting to be an intimidating side. And that's what I want to see from Arsenal. A team that wins games in the tunnel. We've not had that in a long time. And yet when other teams line up against this Arsenal side, there is a fear of what Jesus can do, of what Martinelli can do, of what Odegaard can do with his passing and his range and his vision 
of what Saka could still do. And I think Saka's been a bit quiet, of course, but I think more can come from him about how difficult it's going to be to get past players like William Saliba, about what Zinchenko and Xhaka's partnership can do on the left-hand side. You know, and when Jesus runs through about four players to then set up Martinelli, those are the types of moments that set up just absolute intimidation and fear tactics into the opponents. And that's what I want. I want to go to Old Trafford with Man United, clear outsiders. I want to go to the Etihad. I want to go to Anfield and not fear what we're going up against and have confidence. Now, at home last season against Manchester City, I had that. And especially that first half performance against Manchester City filled me with that, wow, we are really taking significant steps forward with this team. We're going at it and we're taking Man City on and we're beating them. And unfortunately, the second half performance was a little bit characteristic of the Arsenal mistakes of old. And we're still awaiting to see if those traits have yet dissipated from this Arsenal side. And I'm sure when we get our bigger tests and we come up against those bigger teams, that will happen. But yeah, we look, as Paul James in the chat book says, we look ruthless. And that's what this Arsenal team needs to be. So let's talk about Erdegaard uh, silencing his critics. He was absolutely brilliant once again. And we've challenged him so many times to score more goals, to be ruthless as well, using that word once again, and taking the ball off of Gabriel Jesus' feet because he was in a better position to score and then slamming that ball into the side net and curling it around the keeper is what I want to see from a captain. It's just grabbing the gra- grabbing kind of the uh, the rhetoric, taking away responsibility from someone else and putting it on himself and scoring two goals because he's in the box in the right place at the right time. And that's only going to help us because I feel there's games in which he's just not got into those positions enough. He's not been aggressive enough to get into the box in those moments. And clearly that's something that's been asked of him and he's being developed to try and do that. But not only that, but some of the passes he makes some of the interplay he has with Saka or Jesus at the moment is really developing. That relationship with Jesus is going to develop and it was so unfortunate that he couldn't have that assist uh, and it was only millimetres that Jesus was, of course, offside. But had he added another assist to his game in this, it would have probably been a 10 out of 10 performance from him and probably rightly would have granted himself a man of the match alongside Gabriel Jesus as well. He's just so good in his reactions and his timing and his thinking about the game. Um, let's see what you guys are saying about Urza Gods, as I see some of you have already put into the chat box. Indeed, it's a rather appropriate description of how his performance was yesterday. Um, let's go to uh, my boy, says Moss. Indeed, actually, it says Odegaard is always the first to react to loose balls in the box. It's a good trait of his. Uh, Prince says, this season, I don't have fear and apprehension to how we'll perform. It's so good to have every game knowing what you're going to get from this team. 100% effort, quality and passion. Uh, the Robots for Elite says, do you think we should have created more clear goal scoring opportunities? I feel like we should have had more. I, I feel like we could have had more goals, but I think there we, the chances we created for ourselves, you know, we definitely could have taken more of the chances that we actually had, let alone creating more opportunities. Bro Pro says the Norwegian's top scorer in the Premier League this season. I think he's level with Haaland, is he not? I don't think he's clear of Haaland. But he's level with Haaland, that's for sure. Uh, Madison versus Odegaard is how I judge him, Ian. It's a strange way because they're very, very different style of players. So I don't think you can judge two players that are so polarizingly different in their styles 
and come out with kind of a reason as to why one's better than the other. Uh, actually, it says that assist was denied because of that one pixel being offside. Yeah, if they had better cameras, perhaps it would have been onside. Uh, the best Norwegian in the Premier League, says Alex. Indeed. Um, Tim says, Tom, to you now think you were wrong to think the club should have waited until the summer to secure our teacher's new contract. Um, was I wrong? Um, I think that it wouldn't have made too much of a difference. Um, but, you know, of course, I said that maybe we should have waited until the end of the summer. If it was wrong, it was wrong. Frankly, I don't care. <laughs> you know, I could accept being wrong because it happens so often. But uh, I'm just happy with what things are happening right now. Uh, Christopher says, Odegaard is the best Norwegian in the world. <laughs> I can see the theme that's, that's kind of coming through here. Uh, indeed, he does need a song. I think we need to establish that Odegaard definitely needs a song. Um, Mo says, Odegaard took away our lame horizontal passing. How can anyone criticise him? Indeed. Um, moving forward to Saliba, who <laughs> was just not only frustrating the away fans with the amount of songs that were not amount of songs but the amount of frequency of just one particular song that was sung throughout the game um but to then go and score the goal that he scored i mean the statistics that were coming out 100% pass accuracy 100% shot accuracy 100% long passing accuracy the clearances the tackles the recoveries the progressive passes i think he had um his pass maps just insane you know all of that was just so so strong from him and he needed that you know he needed that off the back of a performance where it wasn't a bad performance you know against Leicester and the own goal did kind of take the sheen off what was another really strong performance but outside of the own goal against Leicester again really good recoveries confidence elegance you know all of these things just encompass his game and for me these these types of performances from a young player you expect from someone much older. I think if we're all very honest, he's not playing like a 21-year-old. He's playing like an established Premier League defender already. And yes, there's some little vices in his game that I think will be ironed out the more he plays. But this kid could potentially become one of the best in the Premier League. And that's not an overstatement. And I'm not exaggerating. And you know me, I want to I want to stay as balanced and as measured and as objective as possible. But it's impossible not to be excited about this guy. It's impossible not to look at what he's capable of and think, goodness, there are going to be sides and teams that are going to struggle. And we have got bigger tests to come. But Crystal Palace away from home is a big, big test. Going up against Wilfred Zaha with a makeshift right back next to you is a test. And he passed that test. He's passed the test against the likes of Jamie Vardy this season. He's passed the test now away from home against a very physical forward in Kiefer Moore. He's not going to be the type of striker that's going to test him the most this season, but it's a different type of test. And again, he his recovery speed was excellent. We're going to go to Manchester United and he's going to come up against one of the best players of all time in Cristiano Ronaldo, who's obviously not at the level he was. He's going to come up against some tricky wingers in Sancho and potentially Anthony by that point. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. And that's going to be a real test for him. He's also going to be coming up against Mitrovic next weekend. And Mitrovic is arguably probably the most on-form striker bar Jesus in the league right now. So that in itself is going to be another big test for him. And how and Fulham are going to be pumping balls into the box that both he and Gabriel will have to deal with. And if we're very honest, his heading ability is the area of his game that he needs to improve on the most. So that is going to test him the most. But he's a tall lad. He's confident. He doesn't really lose his head too often. 
I am looking forward to seeing what he can bring to this team because it is going to be, hopefully, something very special indeed. Uh, Frantisek says, the man behind all this deserves to be praised the most. And even if he quits today, everyone should thank him for the work he's done on and off the pitch. Put some respect on Mikel Arteta's name. Frantisek, I can't really word that much better myself. And we will certainly be giving Mikel Arteta plenty of praise. Don't you worry. Now, Gabriel Jesus, let's talk about this fella because I love this picture. Do you know why I love this picture? It's because it looks like he's scored a goal and he hasn't. You know, this is where Odegaard nicks the ball off his foot. Yes, he gets an assist for the touch. It was inadvertent. But I love this picture because it just emphasizes what this whole team is about. And it's about winning no matter who scores, no matter who gets the assists. Every every part of this team is geared towards the togetherness that we saw throughout the All or Nothing documentary. It's geared towards seeing what we can expect from the future. It's geared towards success. And success only comes through unity. And we have had, unfortunately, characters in our team over the last two plus years that are not about that unity. And now we have a squad that is absolutely all singing from that same hymn sheet. And Jesus has come in and taken that to the next level, you know. And I think that the the individual moment of class in those opening moments where he took it past one, two, three, four players before setting up Martinelli, and then, of course, to see him celebrate like this after the shot was taken off his boot by Odegaard and slammed in the back of the net. Even though he didn't score, it was, again, a man-of-the-match display for what he brings to the team. How deep he gets sometimes. So we, we talked about maybe missing Lacazette's ability to get deep and mix in with the midfield at times. But when you've got a striker that can do that and at the same time sprint up the other end of the field and get involved in the attack and then also get wide and also create chances and be a leader and demand more of his teammates, £45 million might be the biggest bargain I nearly said the Premier League era, and I'm sure that's not accurate. But it's potentially up there. You know, it's we're looking at a player now that could add something insane to this team. And I look back to that January window where we nearly signed Dusan. Well, I say nearly signed. I don't think we ever really had a chance of signing Dusan Vlaovic. Or I look back on the calls from myself at times and others to go for Dominic Calvert-Lewin. You know, the level, the difference, the quality, the change in this team because of because of Jesus, is just gloriously exciting. Uh, and I can't wait to see so much more of him. I also can't wait, in fairness, to see, in a weird way, what happens when he's not in the team, you know, and how that changes things. Are we going to be able to see the influence of him linger when he's not in the side anymore? And when Enketia comes in, in those Europa League games, in those cup games because that's going to happen he is going to have to have a rest at some point you know you can't play him two times a week I feel like he wants to I just don't think you can and so when he is dropped out of the team for rotational reasons and fingers crossed not injury is his influence that has that has had from a mental perspective is that going to persist is that going to linger isn't Ketia going to be able to replicate as much as he can kind of that same level of performance probably not you know on an individual basis but I'm hoping that what we see is is Nketiah come in and, and push that position. I, I know the obvious answer is to go, no, he's got no chance. Nketiah is talented, but there's there's just never going to see him get to that kind of level. But I want to see what, what happens when Jesus isn't there and when Nketiah starts games. If anything, just to see if anything more, you know, that we haven't appreciated from Jesus is when he's not there and what ultimately we miss when he isn't, which is a scary thought. 
but hopefully something better. Um, Bro Pro says we need to buy a more goal threat in that case uh, because of this window. I think that a forward still needs to be brought in and that hopefully will be the position that we still go to bring in. Um, <laughs> Generous Man says, and before you were all shouting Arteta out to say everyone is unfair. You know, I know there are plenty of people that have stuck by this manager uh, ever since he was appointed. Um, I personally can't even say that. You know, after Villarreal, I was done. After Manchester City's 5-0 win, I was kind of done. And I was like, I don't think anyone can come back from this. And how gloriously excellent it is to be wrong. How brilliant it is. And how great it is to be able to admit that I was as well. Uh, David says, Jesus scoring yesterday made me so happy until VAR ruined it. My fantasy team needed it. Uh, Agmar says, playing against Mitrovic next, do you think that we should play Tommy Asu ahead of White for that added aerial defence? Um, no, not necessarily. I think you don't change a winning formula right now. We may see some changes against Villa because it's so soon after Fulham and then we've got Man United. Maybe that's when Tommy Asu and Tierney come in. We'll see. But the moment, no, you keep things the same. You keep that momentum flowing. I don't see a reason to change things. Now, lastly, uh, that I want to talk about, and then we'll take some of your questions and, of course, more from the chat box as well. Speaking of White and Zinchenko, you know, Zinchenko, and I love this picture because the reaction from him after Saliba scores his goal is just great. But Zinchenko, I'm sorry, is a world-class player. You, There is no person on this earth right now that could not convince me that we haven't signed a world-class player in Zinchenko. His composure, his forward thinking, his malleability, his interconnectedness with the other players on the field, the way in which he wants to get forward, the way the understanding there is already with the existing players in this team, his Premier League proven quality. You can tell this guy has won four Premier League titles and not yet, sure, he's not started a raft of all the games that he played over the course of those four Premier League winning seasons, but you can tell he's won them. You can tell that he's been playing in a team that's been managed by the best coach in the world because he's come into this team seamlessly and he knows exactly what his role is. And you can also tell that he's worked with Arteta because he fits what Arteta wants from that position so much. And I tell you what, I am worried about Kieran Tierney. I am worried because there is a certain element of Kieran Tierney's game that is a bit one-dimensional. And don't call me naive and stuff because we've not really been given the opportunity to see Tierney and we know how good he was. But Tierney was great for us when he came in and Tierney was great because he became one of the most potent attacking outlets that we had in this team. But the reason why I worry about Tierney is because that element of his game that was so good at getting up and down the line and pinging balls into the box, I'm I'm just not sure where that comes into things now. I hope I'm wrong, and I hope that Tierney, when he does come back in, completely, you know, is, is a different player to maybe that he was and that we get, we get kind of the benefit from him. But the way in which Zinchenko plays in that left-back position, and I say left-back with in inverted commas because it doesn't feel like a left-back position. It doesn't feel like he's playing left-back at all, even though he absolutely is playing kind of this left-back, wing-back kind of position. It is an inverted role, and I'm sure Clive will educate me when I listen back to the Arsenal Vision Reaction podcast on Zinchenko and he'll wax lyrical about it. But there is just something about him that he's playing a role that we just haven't had. We just haven't had this player. We have not had Zinchenko or anyone like him in this team probably ever. You go back through, Tierney just isn't Zinchenko. He's not that type of player. He's very good, Tierney. Don't get me wrong, but he's not Zinchenko. Um, Monreal, not Zinchenko. Gibbs, not Zinchenko. Kalasinac, not Zinchenko. Gail Clichy, not Zinchenko. You know, Ashley Cole is he's not Zinchenko. And that's not to say Ashley Cole isn't good. Ashley Cole is probably, you know, on record, the best left back with Kenny Sanson, you know, that we've ever had. But they're not Zinchenko because Zinchenko is a different player. He is a midfielder, as Arteta says, playing left back. 
And that versatility could come in useful if we ever lose Xhaka for whatever reason. But he has just been able to provide the balance. We had last season, we had Tierney and Tavares playing left back with Tomiyasu right back. There was a balance there. You know, you had the offensive kind of minded players on the left and you had the disciplined player in Tomiyasu on the right. But we, whilst we have an offensive minded player in Zinchenko, it's not a one dimensional style that we see with Tierney. It is a, what's the best way to say it? It's collaborative, I suppose, is a great word to use for it. He's just very collaborative with the rest of the players in this side. And that kind of excellence and that buoyancy that he gives the team it is what we love so much. Clive, thank you for jumping in. Says he is almost playing a double pivot and that stops people sitting on Partey to stop us. Um, Partey was just so relied upon to be kind of the connection between the defensive third, the middle third and the final third at so many times last year. And, you know, that began to become less so when Jacka's position changed and he's become, you know, more of a forward thinking midfielder at the end of last season and certainly into this, that changed. But specifically Zinchenko's addition to the team has allowed Partey to lift a bit of a burden off of his game. Potentially, that's why we see him struggle a little bit more in the games, in the opening two games of the season where his passing was a little bit off. Maybe that lack of... Because he's not necessarily as needed as he was before, that that's had a a negative impact that will hopefully transform into something better. And I think the performance of Partey yesterday was really strong. And maybe that's kind of him adjusting to this new way of playing where he isn't so relied upon because Zinchenko and Xhaka have taken so much of that responsibility off of him. Maybe it's a reaction to that. Um, So, yeah. uh, (laughs) Actually, I too... I'm not Zinchenko. <laughs> Nobody is Zinchenko, actually. That's just the way that it is. Uh, Akmal says, Zinni at times, even at right centre midfielder. Yeah, he was playing all over the place. Uh, now does Zin is a prime example of a hybrid player. Um, Crispy Rice says, why would anyone play Jack, replace Xhaka right now? Stop this nonsense. We don't need to t- change this team at the moment. We don't need to change anything about it. Even if we were to sign Milinkovic Savic, who is my absolute prime midfield signing, I wouldn't start him right now. I wouldn't change this team. I think he would absolutely come into things down the line, you know, um, but he wouldn't start because I wouldn't change anything about this starting 11 right now. Clive says Zinchenko had 51 passes first half last week, uh, and that's insane control uh, for a left back. Uh, Gabenga says people talk about Zinchenko's defensive ability, but I know he's not naive defensively compared to Alexander-Arnold. That's why I don't see much of a problem. Uh, AJ says fantastic performance. This is the best football I've ever seen during my time supporting the club. I imagine you're a younger supporter, AJ. Uh, We have so many unbelievable technicians in the squad, including Zinni, and I'm so excited for what this brings. Um, Chris, I hope Nigel Winterburn isn't watching this. Hey, look, put respect to Nigel's name. Look, he was a great left back for us. Um, But, you know... The thing about Nigel Winterburn, whilst he was certainly one of the most underrated players during his career and, and looked back upon as an underrated player because we think of Cole and we think of Sansom. And Winterburn, of course, was part of that famous George Graham back four. I, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't for me a transformative figure at left back, whereas I think that Zinchenko could absolutely be a transformative figure for this Arsenal team. Um, and that's going to be absolutely key. Right, we've talked a lot about Zinchenko. We've not talked about the other guy in this photo, which, of course, is Ben White, the most underappreciated player in this Arsenal team by an absolute country mile. There is no other player in this side. Even Xhaka. Xhaka is eclipsed. You know, he's gone He's gone beyond it. The, the, the turnaround from Granite Xhaka and hear his name chanted by the fans is brilliant. But it does create this clear, stark difference between the two, in which, for me, 
White has become the most underappreciated and underrated player in this team for his performances. A lot of that is obviously to do with the performances of Saliba, and I'm not complaining about that. Saliba's performances have been world-class, and I cannot fault them by the own goal. But Ben White was, for an unorthodox right-back, so consistent in what he was doing and just knew that role of what it was expected of him. And Arteta has clearly just coached this position to him in a short space of time, and it's worked because he was offering so much. Even going forwards, he was having his best game so far this season. You know, of course, his cross into the box um, in, in the Leicester game that obviously led to Xhaka's goal. His cross into the box that led to Odegaard's second goal, his combination with, with Saka. I think, obviously, there is a restriction to what he can bring because he's not a fullback. You know, he's not going to offer as much to Saka as what Zinchenko is going to offer to Martinelli. There's obviously going to be a, a difference there. But for me, he just has been solid all three games. It's been really solid for us. I gave him 8 out of 10 in the performance against Leicester. And, you know, I was on the lounge, I think, on Monday night and people questioned whether, why I gave him an 8 out of 10. But I really couldn't give him anything else other than an 8 out of 10 in that game. He was really, really solid. Really, really solid. And once again today, really, really solid. It's this, as Bradley says, there's so much disrespect towards Ben White. He played a massive part in the third goal. Yeah, not only the third goal, but the second goal. The second goal, he was a massive, massive part of as well. Um, White is really intelligent player. This is Axia, reads the game well, stops opponents' attacks before they even start. Let me ask you the question Why is he, why has he become a bit of a scapegoat for some fans? Why is he underrated? Why is he underappreciated? I'd love to know your explanations. I'd love to know why you think it is that he just is unfashionable. What is it about him? Is it because he cost us 50 million? Is it because he's English? Is it because William Saliba, of course, was sent on loan whilst he stayed at the club? Is it because he's a Mikel Arteta signing? Is it because his surname is so easily transmissibly rhymable with a really awful words that can be used to criticize him very easily? Is that the reason why? Why is it that he is so ostracized at times? I, I need to know why it's so easy for him to be criticized and underappreciated because I just can't understand at times for me. For me look, I'll tell you what my reason is. My reason is because I think he was an Arteta signing when Arteta wasn't particularly popular when he sent Saliba online. That is all I think. And I think there are a lot of, unfortunately, too proud people out there that aren't willing to turn around and say, you know, I was so wrong about Ben White. This guy's had a great season last year. He was really strong. Statistically, was even better than Saliba was on his loan at Marseille. I've written pieces about it. And there's no denying that Saliba's been the better player for me this season. But I just don't get what the point is in just using it as a stick to beat Arteta. I don't get it. Um, Bradley says it's because he's a pretty boy. Is that it? People are jealous at his good looks? <laughs> I really hope not. I really hope not. Saliba's a good-looking lad as well. I don't really get why that would come into things. Noel says 50 million. Uh, Clear away Dave says it's because it's a price tag. Um, it's because Saliba went on loan, says Temi. Uh, Jasmine says White's best trait is his front-footedness and then comes his technical qualities. Always thinking forwards is White. Never wants to pass the right back when he played at centre-back and that's a good trait to have. Uh, Matt says because he's English and costs 50 million. If his name was Benito Waitinho, uh, we wouldn't be hearing any of this. Probably so. Um, Clear says Ben White can't cross a ball, bro. Let's be honest. It's his price tag not living up to it. Stop defending him. <laughs> um, reminds me, was it not his cross that led to Xhaka's goal against Leicester? Was it not his cross that led to Erdegaard's goal yesterday? Yes. Look, I'm not going to sit here and debate. He's lofted balls into the box 
could be better. And do you know why they could be better? Because he's not a right back. And that's not what he's done. He's not ever been expected to play that position. But he's come in and played that position bloody well. I would love to know, Keir, your thoughts as to why you can't appreciate what it is about him. And I'd love to know your reasoning because nothing you're saying there makes sense. <laughs> nothing you're saying there makes any sense at all. Um, a LFC fan said he's two Love Islands, says David. Nicholas says his price tag is definitely a lot to do with it. That brings lofty expectations, but he's met them. Uh, Jube says because he cost 50 million and we had a world-class talent looming in the background. Rich says, I think it's because he said he doesn't care about football. Yeah, you know, that was obviously, I think a lot of people love to see players that are massively passionate about football. Just because he doesn't like football doesn't mean he can't play it. Very, very, very strange to to have a take a dislike to a player that doesn't particularly watch football. I don't I don't think he said he ever doesn't care about football. He just said he doesn't watch it. Is that right? I think he said he doesn't watch football outside of playing it. And to be honest, you know, if I was a footballer, I think that I would struggle to have the rest of my time when I'm not training, when I'm not playing, when I'm not at the training ground, all of that stuff. That you know, football would be all encompassing and all absorbing. And I think I wouldn't need to watch Arsenal games because I'd be playing in them. You know, I I respect the fact that he doesn't want to watch games. Have a life. Enjoy your personal time. Do something else. Take your mind away from football at times if you need to. You don't need to live, breathe, eat it every second of the day because you're still that good, even if you don't watch the game as much. Actually, says, I can tell you why. It's because the Arteta haters used Saliba as a stick to beat him with. And when he went on loan and we got white for 50 million, he was an easy scapegoat. That is ultimately, I think, the best example and the best explanation for what it is. I think that was it. And, you know, also, I think, and there was a good point, I think I've lost the comment now, but there was also a comment saying, of course, in that Brentford game, um, he was ostracised because he came into a team after one game in the Emirates Cup in which he played against Chelsea, where he looked quite good, actually, in that Emirates Cup game in pre-season, his first uh, unofficial debut. Um, and, unfortunately, I think that game against Brentford just set a precedent you know, it just set a precedent, especially because there was all these rumours about he weren't really good in the air when actually in the air he's been pretty darn good for us. Uh, he was too short, people said. You know, actually, no, in the air he's done blooming well. I remember that game at Anfield when we drew nil-nil. Um, really solid and was one of his best performances in the League Cup semi-final at Anfield. Really strong, especially when we went down to 10 men. Um, S1L says uh, nothing, but does donate. But thank you so much for your kind comment, right? I really, really appreciate the support. Um, by the way, if you have not... Um, it's already dropped a like on the video. There's over a thousand of you watching on a Sunday morning, which I tell you, takes some doing. So fair play to all of you for tuning in this morning. Thank you so much. Uh, as I always mention, we are going uh, and trying to uh, go as far as we can in the Football Content Awards. If you haven't already voted for us, uh, I would encourage you to do so. You just need to go to Twitter or just go to votefortgt.com and it will generate a tweet for you. That's how you vote for the channel for best club content creator in the Premier League. Or if you don't have Twitter, you can vote on Instagram by tagging us in the Football Content Awards Instagram post of that picture you can see on your screen. Just go and find it. Or you can also go and vote on their website as well. Let's uh, let's tackle some of your comments in the chat box uh, as well. We're not going to be done. We're going to be going for another 10, 15 minutes or so. Uh, we always like to do a little bit more as well with these. Let's scroll up. Mud says he's used to He's used a stick, this is why it's still, to beat Arteta with, and we did overpay for him because he's English. But I thought he was quite good last season and even better 
in the last three games. Uh, Lynn says, for me, I think he has, uh, he has come from Brighton and some fans think we overpaid for him and he's not a game changer. But Ben is improving. Prince says, definitely the price tag. People expect a flashy player, but it's perfectly fine to be a solid player working well in a good system. You know, there is actually flashy qualities about him. You know, there's genuinely kind of those progressive modern defender style. He is a modern centre-back. There is no doubt in my mind that he is. And I think he'll become an England international without too much bother. Um, he's just incredibly underrated. Uh, Malin says, all said and done, no such thing as perfect team. Even Barca of old had a couple of players who were not up to the level of others alongside them. There isn't going to be, you know, a perfect team. You're right. There is going to be weaker links in this team. But I tell you what, if the weak link is Ben White and he's doing as well as he is, then the rest of the team must be pretty, pretty darn good, that's for sure. Uh, Dan says, Tom, it's because his performance last season did not match his price, followed by the fact that Saliba left because of him. You know, if you were going to expect the £50 million performances from Ben White last season, then your head was in the wrong place because that £50 million was not reflective of the player that he was. It was reflective of the player that he could become. Sometimes you invest. Sometimes you pay more for a player than they're actually worth in the market because you want them and you believe they can go and achieve that. White, I think, has put in performances this season that are more reflective of a £50 million defender without any doubt in my mind. And I think that he will go on to absolutely make do on that. But he now faces a challenge and that challenge is William Saliba. And I'm so happy that that challenge exists because it's going to push both of them. Uh, Kia says, as a pro, you should know how to cross. <laughs> you also be into football. How can you not watch football and play as a pro? Tom, you clearly haven't played football at any level because it's in you. Tell me, tell me, as a pro then, should Alexander-Arnold know how to defend? That would be what I would ask you <laughs> because that man can't and yet he plays in a back four. So I think that slightly you might be a little bit off. Also, Trust me, not playing football at any level, of which I still did at a very low one, doesn't mean nothing. <laughs> it means absolutely nothing. And the arrogance to even suggest that is quite laughable. Uh, Clive says, why allows us to play Zinchenko? It's about balance. And, you know, last season, Tommy Asua played us, allowed us to play Tierney so high up the field and Tavares to a lesser extent as well, so high up the field too. It is all about balance. Uh, Practica says Saliba wasn't worth 27 million when Arsenal bought him. That's the price that reflects his potential too. Great point. Uh, Arteta's light bulb. <laughs> and the picture as well. Perfect. Uh, Gary Lineker said that Jesus morphed into Messi against Bournemouth. Are you concerned that the team will drop off levels if he is out of the team? Absolutely am I concerned if he drops off. Yeah. If he does, if he's not in the team, there is absolutely doubts about whether or not Nketiah or whoever comes in for him can replace him. That is obviously going to be a big, big problem. But for me, I, for now, have little concern about him being injured because he's not had an injury. And I know that we had the Thomas Party situation, which means that he's never injured Atletico Madrid, came to Arsenal, was starting to get injured. But yeah, he's been playing in the Premier League for so long. So that, yeah. Um, <laughs> actually, damn, Tom, you got roasted. You better close the channel. <laughs> I've never played football at any level, so I can't talk about it. That's clearly, clearly how life works. <laughs> uh, Moss says, glad we didn't listen to Arteta's haters. Saliba's now worth 100 million. Seriously, and Gabriel worth 80 million. Jacker has got his value back as well. Frantisek says, the decision to buy Ben and send Saliba on loan again is paying off right now. That was the vision. It was right. Um, Manu says, Trent is still traumatized from Martinelli spanking him over and over again. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the Arsenal-Liverpool game. There is just something different about this team when Liverpool comes to... I think there is going to be a... Uh, 
there's something that wants revenge against Liverpool. This Arsenal team hasn't yet beaten them since that game where Reese Nelson and Lacazette scored, I think, after Liverpool had already won the league by that point. That's the last time we beat Liverpool. Um, but there's something about this team that I think has a bit of a chip on its shoulder in certain games, and I like that. I like that they remember things. People take the mick about Arteta using the Tony tweet in the Brentford game, but guess what? We won that game. You know, and Lacazette, I remember, tweeted after the game, this team don't forget. It's a bit of an elephant, this team, at times, with a long memory, and I like it. I like a team that plays with a chip on its shoulder. I like a team that plays with a reason. I like a team that laughs at its opponents when they complain about us over-celebrating, complain about us singing a chant about Arteta going to the Champions League, and yet we miss out, yet we continue to sing it. I like that. I like that we're not likable anymore. You know, Arsenal at times used to be too nice. Arsenal used to be a lot of people's second teams in the Premier League. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be anyone's second team. I want you to hate us. I want you to be frustrated with us. I want you to not like who Arsenal are because that means we're doing something good. Uh, And that's a really good place to be. I won't want to be likable as a club. I want to be a team that you are envious of, not want to be your second team. That's what I want. Sam says, Tom, do you think what has been has been moved to the right as a long-term solution to Cedric and Bellerin? And based on his quality, would uh would Raver have played to, would have would play him to have him as a competing with Saliba? Sorry, I completely missed that out. Um, and didn't understand, to be honest, half of what you said, Sam, to be honest. But I understand what you're saying about the long-term solution to Cedric. The problem with Cedric is, and the problem with Bellerin is, is they they don't add the balance to the team like Tommy Asu and White both add the balance to this Arsenal team. You know, they don't add that. And because of that, it made so much more sense if Tommy Asu wasn't fit to play White because it just maintained the structure and the style that Arteta was asking for. And he's done very, very well playing out of position. Uh, Millen says, how many of our first team players will you play in the Europa League game? Probably half of them. I don't think you can change the whole team out for the B team. I don't think you should change the whole team out. I think you need to maintain some first team players and then you alternate through between one week and the next. If you rotate the entire squad, you have the problem that we found in preseason where if you look at the, if you remember the game against Nuremberg, you had that first half performance. And yes, we only added in a couple of players like Martinelli and Jesus and Elneny came in in the second half, but it changed things dramatically. I don't think you can change an entire 11. You know, I don't think that's clever. I don't think that's smart. I think Arsenal should be looking to ultimately switch out four or five players, but maintain the rest of them. And, you you know, I think they should be able to do that, especially if you rotate out the other five players in the following week. I don't think that's an unreasonable expectation when rotating the team. Um, Bradley says, we're going to take three points off the big two this season. Love that positivity. Um, David says, first time in a while, I don't fear Liverpool or City. That's a really good place to be. Uh, Crispy Rice says, we have to temper uh, the expectations in those big matches. No red cards. Absolutely. Uh, Olu says, I love the Tyler's video, Tom. I'm head over heels with this team, bro. Keep up all the hard work. Appreciate that, mate. Very kind of you indeed. Uh, Armin says, thank God Manchester United signed Lissandra Martinez and give us the opportunity to sign Zinchenko. There is a big difference here. What's really interesting about the Martinez Inchenko vibe is that there's been an interesting number of stories leaked in the last week or two, and certainly whispers that I've heard that this Zinchenko deal was long in the works before Martinez, all the news about Martinez came out and all the bids and the chase of Martinez came out. It very much seemed like it could have been a case of both rather than one. It's a really strange dynamic because the Zinchenko deal was in the works for a long time. We didn't apparently just pivot 
to Zinchenko. Apparently, it's something that's been worked on for quite some time, which is quite interesting indeed. Um, Dan says, Tom, being seven points clear Liverpool, are we now the big two? <laughs> Look, let's keep our feet on the ground, Danny boy. Manu says, have we talked about Ramsdale yet? No, we haven't. Don't get the hate you get. Still young for a goalie with young defenders in front of him. Again, another English player that gets that criticism. I don't know what it is. Maybe if it was called Araninho Ramsdinho, <laughs> maybe he would be a very appreciated goalkeeper. Um, you know, I still like him. I thought he had a really solid display yesterday. He was commanding. He dealt with his box well. He dealt with the saves well that he had to make. He you know, kept his head going. It's really difficult for a goalkeeper in a game where you are dominant and that you don't see much of the ball and that your main job is to just clap along with the away fans while they sing brilliantly. You know, it's a challenge. Um, but he kept his head right. He kept focused. He kept straight and uh, and dealt with that really, really well. Uh, and so, yeah, a strong performance from him. Uh, seven out of ten. You don't. I wouldn't say any different to that. He was just very solid. Didn't stand out. Just very solid. Uh, Yomi says, "Tom, this isn't a Q and A session. This is the Ben White session." Now to my question: Are the links to Mikola Mudrik real? <laughs> hey, look, I'm just tackling questions and comments as they come. It is what it is. Um, I don't know. I'm sorry to disappoint you with the answer, but I don't know. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that a little bit later on today. I'm probably going to do a breakdown on him at some point. Don't know too much about him, but I'm planning a, a breakdown on him. Um, we'll need to get more clarity on that deal. Uh, <laughs> Lee says there's one and only one. There's one and only one reason why uh, we're running Ben White as his price tag. Uh, I feel like I've, I feel like we're skipping through still on Ben White. If we can try and move the conversation on, but Lee, thank you for your comment as always. Uh, Nick says morning, Tom and Gunners. What a great first half performance! Um, keep up the great words. I'm much appreciated. Uh, Daniel says, football conspiracy theories. If your name is Peter in football, you are definitely a goalkeeper. What about Peter Crouch? Uh, Rich says, Tom, would you take a chance of Zaha in the final year of his contract? Yes, we don't make profit for him, but he's a wide player. Look, if you told me that we were spending 20 million quid and bringing in Zaha on a two-year contract, I'd do that. I have no qualms with that at all. I have no issue with that. Absolutely. Go and do it. Uh, Ian says, in the past, any misplaced passes was treated as a crime. Some people still hold our players to the standard. Xhaka, White and Ramsdale, potentially, yes. Any kind of one misplaced pass often undermines an entire performance, you know, and that's unfair. You know, if, if one misplaced pass undermines your performance, it shouldn't. You know, the thing is, like, if White scored the own goal that Saliba scored, you know, yeah, the, the the criticism would have been wildly different. Maggie says, what do you make of Tillemans being on the bench and coming on in the second half? Do you think it means anything regarding a potential transfer? You know, Maggie, it absolutely does mean something because, I mean, Brendan Rodgers came out at the start of the game and said that the reason why Fafana and Tillemans weren't playing was because they had to play players whose heads were in the right mindset. Tillemans' head is not in the right mindset. There is no doubt that the communications between Arsenal and Tillemans have been ongoing for a long time and they just seemingly aren't convinced to bring him in. I tweeted out yesterday to mixed responses that I don't think Tillemans gets into this team. I don't think he gets anywhere near this starting eleven right now. And the response to the Tillemans argument was that, yes, but he adds depth. And I'm not going to debate about whether or not he adds depth. Yes, he adds depth. Tillemans definitely adds depth and quality in depth to this team. But I think what people are forgetting quite quickly about the Tielemans thing is if you sign Tielemans, you fill a spot with Tielemans. And there is a spot right now for me. There is a spot in this team for another box-to-box midfielder that can compete with Xhaka, 
there is a spot in this team for that. Because I think Vieira is going to be more thought of as a forward player that plays in one of the front three positions. I would have loved to have seen him in a number eight position or a number 10 position. But I think his future probably lies as an option to compete with Saka, to compete with Vieira, and potentially, who knows, even come on as a false nine. That's where I think Vieira's future may lie, based upon some of the, uh, a lot of the stuff he did for Porto, based upon what he was doing for the under-21s when Arteta requested him to play on the right-hand side. That's what I think. And so because of that, it probably opens up a spot for the box-to-box player. Now, if you fill that with Tielemans, you invest £25 million, which you might go, well, that's not a lot of money for Tielemans, and you're probably right, but you fill it with Tielemans. And because you fill it with Tielemans, it means that next summer, because Xhaka's going nowhere, Lukonga's probably going nowhere, Smith-Rowe and Odegaard are going nowhere, and you've then got Tielemans, we aren't signing anyone else there. And I just think that we can get someone better than him. I, I don't really understand why that's such a hard thing for people, some people to get their heads around. I think we can do better than Tillemans. I think we should do better than Tillemans. I think there are better players out there than Tillemans, like Milinkovic Savic, like Nicola Barella, like Lucas Paqueta. You know, there are better players than Tillemans. And I think that we can get a better player than Tillemans. I just worry that if we fill that with fill that spot with Tillemans, that we aren't pushing the needle of quality as much as maybe as we could have done. That's all I'm saying about my concerns of Tillemans. Yeah, look, Olu says Bellingham right here. And the initial response to when you see a name like Bellingham is going, Arsenal aren't signing Bellingham. And you know what the reality of the situation is? Is if Arsenal qualify for the Champions League next season, is that if they're serious about going to where we want them to get to, which is to, quali- uh, to challenge for titles, is to go far in the Champions League and try and win it, Bellingham is absolutely a target that Arsenal should be serious about. It should not be a target that we scoff at. It should not be a target that we laugh at. It should be a target that we absolutely go for. Not realistically this summer. No, we aren't going to sign a a Jude Bellingham this summer. It's not going to happen. Yeah, you can scoff all you like at that, and I'm not going to really bat an eyelid at you scoffing at the idea of signing Bellingham this summer. But next summer, if Arsenal qualify for the Champions League, if we've already filled that spot with Tielemans and we can't then go and sign a Bellingham or we can't then go and sign an equivalent Barella or a, uh, a Milinkovic-Savic, then I will feel that we might have made, might potentially have made an error. Now, if we sign Tielemans, of course, I wish him nothing but success because it means, of course, then Arsenal succeed. But I don't want Arsenal to sign someone who I think we can do better than and we might then miss out on a better potential opportunity in the near future. I just don't think it's smart. I think it's a strategy of a team that aren't thinking ahead enough. And it's probably one of the big reasons why we've not yet done that deal and why the club are not 100% sure. Because if you, if the club were absolutely sure, like they were on Jesus, like they were on Zinchenko, like they were on Vieira, like they were on Partey and Gabriel and Ramsdale and all the rest that we've signed in the last two plus years, then we would have got him. We would have signed him by now because he wants to come. No issues on personal terms. We can afford him, even if we might have to overpay, as I think that a lot of people maybe still felt we overpaid at the time for Jesus. One year left on his contract, £45 million, a lot of money. Worth it? Absolutely. But we could afford that. And we can afford to buy Tillemans. I just there's just something in me that thinks this Arsenal team can do better than him. And with Xhaka now turning 30, and I know that midfielders can go on for a lot longer than 30, especially of the ilk of Xhaka, I just don't want to be tied into a player that we could have got better for. 
And that's that's where my head's at with that. So I hope that kind of explains where my head's at with Tillemans. I hope it shouldn't be one that annoys people too much. But my head has swiveled a little bit from Tillemans across this summer as I've thought longer and harder about why or why not about that deal. Um, Callum says, I'm not sure I want to risk Elneny and Xhaka. And look, this is obviously the counter, and it's a very fair counter from Callum, is that if you don't sign a midfielder this summer, your midfield four for the options of Partey and Xhaka are Partey and Xhaka, Lekonga and Elneny. That, that, that is the reality. And it's a very, very fair doubt to have. But what I would say is go sign someone on loan. Bring someone in on loan. If you're going to ask me who, I don't have an answer off the top of my head right now. Maybe with a longer bit of thought, I could come out with some players. But I would sign someone on loan. That's what I would do for a summer or for a season. I'd bring someone in on loan. Um, I don't know who, but that's what I would do. Because you're right. I'm not sure I feel comfortable enough with it just being El Nenny, Lakonga, Xhaka and Partey. And because of that, yeah, yeah, you know. There's also another player called Toyn Koopminers at Atalanta who I want to see this season again. And potentially he could be a very, very good replacement for Xhaka. I think there's a lot of potential in that guy. I'm not sure if he's on the level of your Milinkovic Savages and your uh, your Barellas of this world. But potentially he's one to keep an eye on. I know he's no secret. I'm talking about him like you've never heard of him before. And I know a lot of you, most of you, probably all of you have. But yeah, he's one to, to definitely keep a... Um, keep a lid on at the moment and try and see what he does in the future uh tom says we are only going for a wide forward this season i don't think we're going to sign a midfielder i think you're right i think that is absolutely what we're going to do and you know we said on the show a number of times that i said i felt like one signing will come in i've said since end of july i think only one more would come in and i think now that the wide forward is a priority bringing someone in that can cover in a wide area and at center forward for me is absolutely key We'll see if it's this Mudrick guy. If it is, who knows? I'm going to plan on doing a tactical breakdown on him, hopefully this afternoon. So you should, you should have another upload on the channel as well. I've just realized I've looked at the time and we've been going for 50 minutes, but there has been over 1,200 of you listening. So thank you so much. Please do drop a like on the video, guys. I'll probably be back this afternoon with another show. As I say, a tactical breakdown on uh, Mudrick for you. Um, but yeah. Thank you for tuning in. What a result. What a brilliant performance. I hope you've enjoyed me waxing lyrical about it for 50 minutes. If you have, drop a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. Vote for us in the Football Content Awards, the best club content creator in the Premier League. Um, other than that, I'll see you a little bit later. Have a fantastic day. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90-plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18-plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. 
seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.